Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the last sermon in our church's Living for God's Kingdom series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Good morning, my name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. We're in the finale of our October series, Living for God's Kingdom. And we've talked each week about the reality that there's evil in the world, that the devil is fighting against God's kingdom work. And you're a part of the fight to resist that, to to stand up to evil, whatever form it may take. And so we acknowledge there's some fun parts of the month of October and Halloween, candy, (laughs) right? And fellowship and friends, but we don't need to dabble in the evil. We don't need to dabble in the demonic. We need to stand for God's kingdom. We've been guided by this key verse from Ephesians 6, 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so today in our finale, living for, <clears throat> excuse me, God's kingdom, take God's pure motives. Have you, <laughs> or do you ever have ulterior motives? Anybody want to just admit to that? Right? Like, I'm just going to keep my hand up until everybody admits. No, I'm just. As I have experience and wisdom, I'm looking back in life where I see now where some people had ulterior motives. In college, the credit card representative on the concourse didn't really just want me to have a nice t-shirt with my school logo on it. (laughs) Right? They really wanted me to sign up for the credit card, spend everything on it, pay the fees and oh if you can't make the whole payment just take another month or 12 years to pay it all off and they got rich you know ulterior motives I admit now (laughs) I've had ulterior motives right in high school when I tried to play football it wasn't just because I like getting my head bashed in It was to try to make way with the girls. Anybody? (laughs) Right? Just me? In high school, man, this is going to get real, right? No. I had bold in my life, but I didn't love it as much as I told my parents I did just to get out of the house to have something to do and go to the bowling alley and just to go. Anybody? Just me? There might have been a time or two or 12, no, just two, where I, what do they call that, brown nosing or apple polishing the professor in college? Great lecture. I love your car. What a beautiful picture of your family whenever my grade was teetering on dropping down a letter. Anybody? Just me. All right. I admit I did those things. It was also before I became a Christian. 
I have repented of those things. But I'll admit now there's times when I'm tempted, maybe you are too, to have ulterior motives. To have something that's other than what it looks like. We're tempted to even sometimes do what looks like the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. I see this in the world where people put faith-based terms in their advertising to try to win over the people in the Bible Belt or the politicians, right? God first, and then they live like the devil, but we vote for them because they say God in their campaign slogan, right? And so there's ulterior motives. We can even have ulterior motives in how we engage in the church, Right? Maybe there's something that we engage because it'll win us influence. There's all these people. I might make some friends and my business might grow. Or it might help my kids get ahead if they're principal or teachers in the church. Or even, even coming because we got the best donuts or great music. Or maybe even it just checks the religious box in whatever to-do list you've been given. And so today we're going to look at how we might take God's pure motives. We, as followers of Jesus, living for God's kingdom. We're going to look at the Bible's New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians. So if you've got a Bible, I invite you to open it or to turn it on if it's on your phone. 1 Thessalonians in the, is in the New Testament and it's a letter. We also call those epistles. Written by Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And it's written to the church in Thessalonica. A church in the, what we know today as Greece. It was a New Testament church that started with people who they started following Jesus. And they struggled. They struggled with their own immature faith. They struggled with the persecution of others. Maybe the people that were once their friends that when they started following Jesus, they persecuted them. Even they struggled with the temptation to live as the world lived. And so Paul, Timothy, and Silas are writing this letter to encourage them, to guide them in their faith. And Paul, the apostle's voice, emerges in chapter 2, which we're going to read today, with illustrations of how he... And the other leaders had resisted or opposed those temptations. And it gives those examples in his life so that others might as well. Especially as it relates to having pure motives of God. It's an example that we can learn from, even apply today. So let's look now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to read through 1 through 8, verses 1 through 8. I'm reading the New Living Translation, if you want to follow along, word for word, set your app to NLT. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be trusted or entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines our motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery or as you well know, and God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for the human praise, we've never sought it from you or anyone. Verse 7, as the apostles of Christ, we are certainly 
had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you, or like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. In verse 4, a key verse in this passage, Paul reiterates or states that living for God's kingdom requires an alignment with the motives of God's kingdom. Paul says that we, those messengers, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, Timothy have been approved by God. And that comes from the Greek New Testament word, dokimazo. Dokimazo. And it means to regard something as genuine or worthy on the basis of testing or judging that it's been approved. That comes from the low and Nydia lexicon. And he has a, a word play there where he comes back to that and says later that we have also been approved, right? Because we've been tested. Well, I don't know about you. Do you find it's easy? Maybe you don't verbalize it, but in your mind you think, I'm not sure their motives are that pure. <laughs> right? You're looking at somebody else, you're like, hmm. Or for you to judge others by their actions, but you to expect them by your them to judge you by your best intentions. Right? Well, I meant to do well. <laughs> right? Even if you've messed up. Well, other folks do that to us, do that to me, do that to you, where they judge by their perceptions of you. But isn't it good to know that God judges your true heart? That's comforting. If people misjudge you and your heart is truly aligned with God, God's got you. It don't matter what they see, say about you. They can't hinder God's purpose in you. But the judging your true heart makes you vulnerable because God sees your true heart, right? Where it may be times in your life it's easy to cover up where nobody else can see what you're doing or saying or thinking. But in your own heart, God sees it. And if it's not pure, not about his pure motives or his kingdom, God knows See, may, you may cover up the mumbling words under your breath, but God knows the intent or even the hate in your heart before the breath leaves your lungs. Living for God's kingdom means having God's pure motives, and God can see and know those. Letting God know your true intentions are aligned with him is the key for him using you or using your life to accomplish his purposes for you in his kingdom. So let's look at this passage in depth. If you got your worship bulletin or your online worship guide, I invite you to follow along and take notes for these. Pray God would apply them into your life. To have pure motives in living for God's kingdom. Number one, pure motives not for wealth. Pure motives, not for wealth. First Thessalonians verse, chapter 2, verse 5 reads, Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. Paul's using the example in his own ministry and life to convey that to others. Don't follow Jesus thinking he's going to help you win the lottery. 
Anybody want to admit that's kind of why you do follow Jesus? <laughs> right? It's like, if I can get, just get Jesus to be my genie in the bottle. Do y'all remember that illustration? Like, rub the genie, it comes out, what's your three wishes? You think, Jesus, come out of the genie bottle and give me my three wishes. Wishes for things like more. Just more. More money. More house, more car, more wins for my sports team, more food, more, more, more. Genie, Jesus, come out and give me more. Now, there is a reality that if you follow God's wisdom and his principles, that God will provide for you. If you look in the New Testament book of Matthew, Jesus says in chapter 6, verse 33, hear these words, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That's the peace to give you your financial needs, but not the wealth ambition that so much of the world is chasing. In verse 5, that phrase, just to get your money, can also be translated into English as pretext for greed. It comes from the New Testament word pleonexia. Pleonexia is a strong desire to acquire more and more material possessions or to possess more things than other people have. You've heard this saying, he who dies with the most toy wins. Have you heard that? <laughs> right? All that irrespective of need. See, Paul talks about in his own life, in the life of the church that greed is a barrier to pure motives for God. And so he highlights that, hey, we weren't tempted by this or we were tempted but we didn't give in to that. And it's because greed keeps us from living into the commands of God in other areas of life. If we're greedy, it's going to be hard to be generous to others. If it's greed that drives our life, it's going to be hard for us to live into the command that God gives us to tithe or give a 10% of our income to the church. A command of God. And if we're greedy, we're going to be like, no, that's my money. Right? I'm not going to be generous. I'm not going to give as God commands. And Paul's like, we didn't do that. Here's our statement, so to speak. And you need to not let that be a barrier from you and God's pure motives in your life. You see, if your motives are pure, you say yes to God. God says do it, you say yes. If you truly put your faith in Jesus, you trust him with your finances. Right? You give what he commands. A 10% of your income to God in this church. And God says, if you'll do that, don't fight me on it, do it. I'm going to provide for you. In fact, he said, if you'll do it, you can even test me. Just dare me to bless you. These words from Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse or the church or the temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Right? If you're not given to God's church, you're greedy. If you're not generous to other people, you're greedy. And Paul says, don't do that. In fact, he says, look, we didn't do that as leaders. Don't you do that as the church. And so in a, a spirit like Paul of accountability, I confess I'm not doing this job to get rich. 
right? We'll be transparent about that. I fill out what's called a pastor's compensation profile. It's how much we make, how much we give for all the different benefits and so forth. It'll be available at our charge conference in two weeks. All members, anybody that gives regularly, you can see how much I make. I'm not doing it for the money. If you still think I am, <laughs> you probably don't. But if you do, you'll look at how much I make before I start being a pastor. You'll be like, oh, he's not doing this for the money. And from that money, me and my family give a 10% of that to this church in real money and tithe. Right? That's what God commands. That's what we do. When we do that, that's God saying that's the minimum. That's what we do. And that's the way you know you're not greedy is if you give to God's church and be generous to others. If you're not, the inverse of that is true. Right? You're letting money be what's your priority. Pure motives, not for wealth. Number two, pure motives, not for glory. Pure motives, not for glory. Verse 6 says, as for human praise, we have never sought it from you or from anyone else. This praise term there is from the Greek doxid. It's also translated glory. And it's used throughout the Bible. It says, here's what you're to do. You're to praise or give glory to God. And so when we do that or turn that on ourselves, when we turn that on ourselves, we're taking what was meant for God and we're putting it to ourselves, right? It's like, oh God, <laughs> it comes out in things like this. You might think this whenever you're trying to make it about you. It's like, oh God, you're so lucky to have me on your team. <laughs> have my talents in your church, Right? Or it may be things like, oh, I'll be on the team if you'll let me be the lead vocalist. Or I'll be on the team if we get to do it my way. Or I'll serve if you let me come just for the fun parts and not the grunt parts. See, when we make it about us or about me, or you make it about you, it's robbing God of the glory that he created you to give him. And so in doing that, your motives become self-centered. And sin is when we pick our will instead of God's will. And so pure motives are not for our glory. Number three, pure motives are for the gospel for others. The gospel for others. 1 Thessalonians 2, 8 reads, We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Paul reiterates the primary pur purpose of his ministry, of the church's ministry, is to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus with others. He starts out in verse 2 and says that we shared that boldly in spite of opposition. People said, don't share about this Jesus who was resurrected, who died, who rose from that death and promises salvation and eternity to those who put his faith or their faith in him. Don't share about him. But Paul says we did that anyway, even if it risked us facing or opposition. But they did it with the truth of the gospel, a gospel that's given to anyone and everyone but it can only be found in the one. It's an exclusive 
good news. To have that through faith in Jesus. And then Paul highlights that sharing that as the church and as followers of Jesus, it's not just a hobby. It's not just a if or when I get around to it. It's the primary mission. When your motives are pure, that is the primary thing you do as a follower of Jesus is to share that good news with others. They might know and grow like him. Talks about we gave our very own lives. And that comes from the Greek term psyche, which is talking about our innermost being. The lexicon says it's the essence of lives in terms of our thinking, our will, our feeling, our minds, our thoughts, our hearts. When it's related to this, it focuses us on the total psychological being involved in struggling for the faith. If you look in the world, the movement of the devil, and the evil that's going on, sometimes it's like, I just want to block it all out. Anybody else? Yeah, right? And there's times even in my own life where there's people in my life. I'm like, I just want to pretend that there's not the fate of an eternal separation from God when they don't put their faith in Jesus. Can I just pretend that's not real? And the truth is, it is real. And I pray you sleep good at night, but I count it an honor when God wakes you up in the middle of the night with somebody on your heart that you can't get out of your mind, that you know is lost or not a follower of Jesus. And you're like, God, this will invite you when those moments come, when the things that keep you up at night are the things of God's kingdom work into this world that's succumbing to evil. You lean into that to pray for them, to wrestle with the best strategies that we as a church employ to help people put their faith in Jesus and attend his church. I invite you to invite them to wrestle or to hunger to see each person that's new to our church. Engage in a meaningful way in a grow group to be a part of a serve team to reach out with the truth and love of Jesus. I invite you to give them a next step. Jesus' heart, Paul's heart, my heart for you as a pastor is that you would go all in. That you would seek, you know what your motives are. God sees your heart. But that you would use the conclusion of this series to examine Where is your heart at? Is it all in for God or is it 99 other things and when I get around to it, it's God? If that's the case, start today. Don't leave here today without taking a step closer to it being 100% God. If you're in that camp where you are all in, praise God. Let's keep going. I see the fruits of that in our church, in our lives, the people that are being transformed by that here and now in the past couple of years of ministry. Let's do it more. Let's do it more. Let's do it more. Where God's 100% here and it transforms our lives and the lives of the people we encounter today, this week, in the coming year, that more and more people be saved from a damnation in hell. 
to eternity with God, what we know is heaven. Pure motives for the gospel for others. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the good news of Jesus. I thank you that we can be reconciled from our sin, forgiven, broken. That bondage to sin is no longer reigning in our lives. God, I pray that you would draw us closer and closer to you. Let us get rid of ulterior motives. Let us not be driven by wealth or praise or anything else other than your purpose in our hearts and lives. God, I pray that that would be borne out in the way we live. Good changes. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.